for Your Good Ministries International, a ministry going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. This series is teaching on the law of first reference, that is, how we begin or upon what do we establish all things in our lives, and the law of first institution, that is, to what do we first work all things out in our lives. And now, here's Abraham. Well, again, a very good day to all of our listeners on this platform. Again, it's my great delight to share from the Word of God. We've been sharing of late around what I may refer to as the high value of God's Word. That all things stem from the Word of God. We spoke about how the Holy Spirit brings conception or brings a new birth or brings a transition or transformation by the Word of God. That the Word of God is the agent, if you like, that the Holy Spirit hovers over waiting for us to embrace the word so that thereby and therefrom the Holy Spirit can be released to germinate the word of God to bring about a different result in our lives. So the word of God is preeminent. It's most primary in how we conduct every area of our life. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says the word of God is living, it is active, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. In Ephesians 6, we learn that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So without the Word of God, which is a sword, the Spirit has no matter or substance to work with to bring about a change. And so the Holy Spirit, and this is a lovely safeguard in our lives, only responds to or engages with the Word of God. And so it's very important for us in any area of our lives, we spoke about marriage or family or parenting, be it a father, being a mother, being a businessman, being the pastor, being a church leader in some expression, being a minister, governmental office, whatever we may function in, to have the Holy Spirit engage to bring about a change or to confirm a sustainable product or result the Word of God needs to be in place. That's powerful to view you and I, because when we know that God is watching over His Word to perform, it says Jeremiah 1 verse 12, then we know that the Holy Spirit will engage with the Word of God and change will come. We spoke about the best thing to do is at the get-go of any new season in our life, that before we engage in that season, we've gone to the Word of God to study how to do is something that the Word of God teaches us in how to do. When we go to the Word of God and receive that in faith, which means we are prepared to have a corresponding action that lines up to the Word of God, at that point in time, the Holy Spirit brings about a conception to that Word that will bring about a result that will represent God's good, perfect will for us. And so... The emphasis I seek to lay in this initial series that we're teaching into is the high value, the high importance of a singular thing, that from that all else will follow 
And that is the Word of God. That's Scripture. We'll teach later on how to rightly divide the Word of God, how to interpret the Word of God. We spoke about covenants and contexts. We are new Christ, uh, pardon me, we are New Testament believers. And so the primary verses we need to go to firstly and foremostly, not to the exclusion of the old, but the primary verses to go to is the new covenant and especially the epistles. We'll teach on that because there's an emphasis laid there in the book of Acts chapter 2 and also again in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Again, we'll pick up on that later on in the series. So what I seek to do is to reinforce, almost repeat myself in saying that the Word of God is the starting point to set up our lives into success and or is what we go to if our lives are founded not being in success. Maybe there's some failure, there's some hardship, there's some struggle, there's some real pain and anguish. Well, how do we deal with that? How do we, how do we redress that? How do we change that status quo? Well, what we do is go back to the Word of God. Remember we said in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And so in the beginning of a new season, best go to the Word of God. However, we haven't done so in God by His grace and His mercy and by the power of His Word that's available to us. God can bring about a change and redress any circumstance. There's no situation, no matter how I say diabolical it may seem to be, that's too far removed from reconciliation and restoration that we go back to the Word of God, put our faith in it, redress or address matters that need attention to line up to the Word of God. And when we do so, as we have said before and say again, the Holy Spirit comes about and brings about a new birth or a conception that develops a product of change that represents the blessed status that God desires for us. So when we closed out on our last episode, we're teaching from, and briefly I want to allude to this portion of Scripture again, we're teaching from the book of John and chapter 8. We spoke from verse 31 through to verse 32. Before that we spoke about Hosea 4 verse 6 says, the reason why we perish or fall into destruction, another interpretation of this verse in Hosea 4.6, it says that we perish through a lack of knowledge. We don't know the Word of God. So therefore, we don't know how to effectively do something that touches our life in our present and or into our future. And so knowledge is the knowing of God's word, which is God's will for our success and for blessing to flow into every single area of our lives. So verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to those who believed in him. So the starting point is to believe in Jesus Christ. And then he says, if you abide in my word. In other words, it's a choice for us to make. So if, so God sets before us the option of choice. God has given us a will. God never imposes or forces something on us. Because love always gives an option. And when one reads the heart of the correct option, a corresponding action should follow. So Jesus puts this contingency on those who believed in him. He says, if you abide in my word, there's the secret of life. To be holy or to be set apart, to be consecrated 
to the Word of God is to walk a journey for, from one level of victory to the next, to the point of sustainable blessing in any area in our lives. So again, it says, Then Jesus said to those who believed in Him, If you, so the onus is not on God, God has done all through Jesus Christ and availed all to us by the Word of God, onus is on us. Many are waiting for God to do something. God has done everything He, he would do through the person of Jesus Christ, and made available to us by faith a corresponding action that lines up to His Word. So to wait on God to do something that He's asked us to do, is to wait to no avail and not walk in the victory that God intends for us. And so the onus, or you may say the responsibility, is for the you and I, for Jesus says, if you abide in my word. So when we make that choice, resolutely so, and saying we are going to be holy, set apart, consecrated to the word of God, we have chosen a good thing. Because that's the thing that will birth something new, that will bring about the product of success and blessing, which is God's intention for our lives. It says, if you abide, which means to, to stay there, to have habitation, to be focused on, to meditate upon, to mull over, to pray about, to draw from the Holy Spirit, revelation of the Word of God. So as we abide in the Word, and it's possible that we can be in the Word most all of the day and or the night, by meditating on, which means to ponder, to consider, to mull over, or to regurgitate. So as a cow regurgitates and chews the cud and swallows again, we can be thinking on the word, maybe not reading it practically before our physical eyes, but now that we've received the word, we're considering the word, we can do so on a continual basis. You can sometimes stop and pause yourself, and find that you're meditating on or considering the Word of God. So Jesus says, if you abide, you are stationed, you're consecrated, you're dedicated to, you're meditating on the Word. He says, if you abide in my Word. He says, then and only then are we His disciples. So a disciple is one who follows someone in front to get the same result or outcome that the one in front got. And so if we don't believe first, if we don't abide in the Word, we cannot be a disciple following Jesus who walked by the Word to get the results of the promise that Jesus enjoyed when He walked the earth. Jesus was always and only, moment by moment, victorious and successful. He was unstoppable. Nothing could get in His way. Nothing could hinder the journey of His life on this earth. Nothing could stop Him from filling the purposes that God the Father had sent him to fulfill, because he abided in the very word he calls us to abide in. And then it says, Then you are my disciples indeed. Indeed means you now begin to practice the word of God. And then it says, And you shall know the truth. That know the truth, when you study that out, means you are experiencing. There's a manifest experience of the power of the word of God that's now evident in your life. That transformation process has been engaged and there's a fruit or a product of his promised intention for those who believe, abide in the word and are disciples. Now they know this truth. It's an experience. And by knowing that, Jesus now concludes, and this truth will make you or set you free, will move you from 
desecration, destruction, pain and heartache. For Your Good Ministries International, a ministry whose vision it is to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. For Your Good both hosts its own conferences and is also invited into other contexts to train and to teach. Two, train pastors and leaders and others in the fivefold ministry. Training to church governance with resultant unity. Mediate into and bring about conflict resolution. Training to marriage, family and parenting. Training to the business sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity commands a blessing. Trains too into the educational sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity commands a blessing. For Your Good also establishes Bible colleges. For Your Good Ministries ministers on Christian radio, on online platforms and on various social media platforms. Partner with us for For Your Good Ministries as a heart for all, is going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. And email us for more information on our ministry services or to train into your context. Reach out to us on inquiries at foryourgood.net. So let's look at another portion of scripture that really reinforces very much the same point. And of course, there's many scriptures that you can glean from that place the same emphasis. Because you may recall in our first lesson, we spoke about the law of first reference, which is to reference God by the word of God, which represents the God that we serve and in actuality desires to serve us. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus served himself to our benefit and our gain. He also served us his word for the same reason that we would live in victory in every area in our lives. So let's look at the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And we'll read from verses 8 through to 9. So Joshua is writing and he says this. He says, this book of the law, you could say this book that represents scripture would be probably the better way to say it in a new covenant understanding. So you could say this book of scripture or the Bible or the word shall not depart from your mouth. Now, Joshua is letting us into something that is very key and insightful because what the heart is full of the mouth will speak. So Joshua is saying that as you receive the word, the way you put it into effect is you speak the word. And when you speak the word, as God himself spoke, he created the heavens and the earth. As we speak, our words create our world. So vocabulary is not so much for conversation, whilst it does serve that purpose. It's actually for creation. So when we speak the word of God, how do we overcome the enemy? Or remember Jesus when he was in the wilderness? The devil came to him and tested him, and what did Jesus respond? He spoke the word. He said, it is written. 
On three occasions, he rebutted or responded to the enemy by saying, it is written, and it caused the enemy to leave the scene and no longer bring about his desired intention of bringing negative influence on the person of Jesus Christ. So Joshua is giving us a key when he's saying, do not let the word of God depart from your mouth. So speak the word. If it's in your marriage, speak scriptures that relate to marriage. If it's in parenting, speak that. It begins to go about a creation process. If it's in your finance, if it's in your health, you would say that scripture says in Isaiah 53, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, that by his stripes I was healed 2,000 years ago at the cross. I'm not to be healed. I'm not going to get healing. I'm going to release the healing I've already got by faith by speaking the word of God. By his stripes I was. It's a done deal. It's settled. It's finished. It's completed. It's mine to enjoy and to have. And as I speak that, it begins to create a different result or as I often use a different product, perhaps in my physical, mental or emotional health. So it says, do not let this word depart from your mouth. He says, but you shall meditate in it day and night. I like the choice of words in it. It talks about something far more depthy than on it or upon it. So we meditate in it. It's something that's happening inside our person, in our very heart, released from our spirit into our very, very heart and through our souls. When we meditate in the word, there is that conception that takes place that is, may I say, brewing or developing or nurturing a change in product in regard to any area of our lives. So he says, this book of the law shall not, in other words, to make a resolute decision that the word of God shall not depart from my lips or from my mouth, but that I shall meditate on it day and night. Friends, when we do that, we must know that we have begun to set ourselves up for a process that will journey us to a place of wonderful success and the blessed intention God has for us in any and every area of our lives. Then he says that you may observe to do. So there's that corresponding action of faith. So the word is availed to us by grace. Could Jesus fulfill the word on our part? When we're born again and believe we've received all of that word in our spirit, man, but our mind or our soul or our circumstances need to change by the embracing of God's word. And as we embrace God's word, it says that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So again, if we're looking at the example of marriage or family or parenting, being a father, and I really have a heart for fathers. We live in a world where the father function has been so depleted, is often absent, or is abdicating in its role of function. And that brings about a consequence of a compromise to the children that we desire to raise unto success. So if I study what is a father, first I glean from the great father, our father God, what a father truly is. But then I go to scripture and I nurture that, I meditate on that, I speak on that with an intent to observe, to do all of that work. And do you can really describe as a corresponding action of faith. Because as I'm meditating, as I'm believing, as I'm speaking, there's a faith, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, says Romans 10 verse 17. So when I'm receiving the word of God, faith comes and it grows in me that will always result in a corresponding action of me doing the word. 
when I start to do the word, as we read in John chapter 8, verse 32, I'm now walking in, living in, because I know the word of God experientially. So Joshua is saying pretty much the same thing. Then he says, for then, so once you've meditated on the word, you've spoken the word, you're now doing the word, what's going to happen thereafter? What an awesome promise we're about to read. He says, for then. So at that point, so you can see there's a sequence that's unfolding here. So now he says, for then. In other words, the product or the result of that that now precedes what I've just taught you in this portion of Scripture. That as you walk that out step by step to the point of a corresponding action of faith that you're doing it, what's going to happen? Well, Scripture says, for then. In other words, from that point onward, for then you will make your way prosperous. God's intention for us is to live in prosperity. So he says, and then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Now, why does Joshua say good success? Why does he single out good success? If there's good success, he's actually saying that there is, as a counterpart to that, bad success. So let's look at the contrast of bad success versus good success. So bad success is temporal success that's been arrived at by deception. What I mean by that, we've walked a road that's contrary to the word of God. It may have seemingly brought us what we believe could be success. But because it's not the word of God upon which that success has been foundationed, that's bad success. Why? Because A, first and foremostly, it's going to fail me. But secondly, in its failing of me, it's going to bring consequences towards me and to those that touch my life in a close basis and or sometimes in a broader expression. Because perhaps my leadership or my role Touches my life firstly, may touch my marriage and my family, may touch the broader aspects of my family circle, my friendship circles. But what about the lives I touch every single day upon which I bear influence to the positive or the negative? So bad success is determined as temporal success. It's unsustainable. It's fruit, but not fruit that will last. Jesus said he desires that we have fruit, but fruit that lasts. That fruit that lasts is good success, sustainable success, success that will never falter, will never fail, will always re represent the, pros the prosperous intention that God has for us. That victory, that overcomability, that unstoppability, that's good success. For we are foundationed on the word. So as we close out, let's look at that portion of scripture again. So it says, this book shall not depart from your mouth. So we speak the word of God. As Jesus said, it is written. And as we speak, a creation process of change begins to ensue. It says, but you, the choice is mine, the choice is yours. The onus is upon me, the onus is upon you. It's not upon God himself. He's availed all things to us. He's given us the powerful word that he overshadows, that he looks over to bring about a change in our lives. So when I choose the word by faith, for I believe that it's true, because God is good. And may I say, God is very clever. God put all things together. He knows what makes them work. He knows what brings them to the point of prosperity and success and victory. He says, but you shall meditate in it 
again that word in it, day and night. In other words, it's a perpetual consideration and mulling over. That's what meditating means. I in no shape or form am leaning toward Eastern mystical meditation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about emptying our minds. I'm talking about filling our minds with the Word of God by meditating or pondering on the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring revelation and change by and from the Word of God. It says that you may observe. So what's going to be the outcome? The next step in the process? That you may observe. So you're observant. You're walking towards, this is where I'm going to arrive. I'm going to get this place. That I may observe to do all according to what is written in the Word of God. And then he says, for then, at that point, at that junction, from this uh, transition onwards, he says, from then you, so it's again up to you and I, by the Word of God, in, through, and from the Word of God, but it's up to us. He says, but then you, it's up to you and I, then you will make your way prosperous. And then you, again, the onus is back on us. The responsibility lays with us, empowered by, yes, the Word of God, and brought to the point of conception by the Holy Spirit, but it's for us to bring the allowance of that product to be realized in our lives when we choose the Word of God. For it says, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So as we close out today's teaching, may I reinforce, even in a positive sense, implore that we develop a heart that hungers after, that searches after, that meditates upon, that molds over the Word of God, so that as we do so, and we observe to do the Word of God, we will make our way successful and prosperous, and we will have good, sustainable success in any and every area of our life that we apply the Word of God by faith. So may I encourage us, if there's an area that's lacking in your life, as I'm speaking today, go and search out the Word in that category. You can Google and find scriptures. There's so many ways to find pertinent, salient scriptures that relate to context of struggling in our lives. And then meditate, mull over, speak the Word of God, observe and bring a corresponding action of doing the Word of God, so that God's intention for you and or I is that we will have good success and prosperity, which means God-likeness lived out in every single area of our lives. God blessed you are by the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Until we speak again next week, this is Abraham Foss saying, Farewell. Look forward to chatting and sharing from the Word of God next week. Same place, same time. We thank you for joining us in viewing this program and look forward to meeting with you next week as we continue with this series.